0: Cloudcast Media.
1: Welcome to Your Next Mission podcast with the 12th Sergeant Major of the Army and co-founder of the American Freedom Foundation, Jack L. Tilly, proudly presented by Cavalry Agency, Navy Federal Credit Union, Purdue University Global, and Veterans United Home Loans.
0: Good day out there veterans and families and welcome to Your Next Mission, a new program initiative of the American Freedom Foundation. I'm Jack Tilly, 12th Sergeant Major of the Army, and your host. I always love saying that. We have an outstanding show for you today. In fact, we have an unbelievable show today. We're going to focus on the 1st Infantry Division at Fort Riley, Kansas. And, and I also have a couple of stories uh, for you to talk about my experience in the United States Army because you, you all know that I love talking about myself anyway. Now, before we get started, I want to thank our presenting sponsors, uh, Cavalry Agency, Navy Federal Credit Union, Purdue University Global, and Veterans United Home Loans for making your next mission happen. They love our veterans and families, and we certainly love them too. As I mentioned, today's theme is about the 1st Infantry Division at Fort Riley, Kansas, and I am so excited. In fact, I'm honored to introduce Major General Douglas Sims, Commanding General and Command Sergeant Major Raymond Harris, Command Sergeant Major of the 1st Infantry Division, Fort Riley Councils. Welcome, gentlemen. glad to have you on the show. (laughs) You You know, that's a standard answer for, wow, I got it. I love that answer right there. (laughs) You know, I know our audience is eager to hear all about what you guys are doing at Fort Riley, and I certainly am too, because I have a history of Fort Riley, but But before we start, could could each one of you tell a little bit about yourself? And and sir, I'd I'd like to start with you. Just give us a little background on you or whatever you want to tell the audience.
1: Yeah, sure. I um, so uh, I've been in this job right now for just over a year. So here at the 1st Infantry Division, it's my very first time in the 1st Infantry Division, but I've been in the Army for 30 years. So I I was a commissioned infantry officer back in 1991. Spent all the first 10 years or so of my career in uh, Airborne Ranger and Light Units. Spent the back half of my career in uh, striker uh, infantry and then uh, spent some time with the 4th Infantry Division and then here at 1ID after a little stint in the Pentagon. So uh, I've seen a lot of infantry stuff uh, deployed a number of times here in the past 20 years and um, and found myself at the 1st Infantry Division. And, And quite honestly, again, as I mentioned, it's the very first time I've been here and it has blown me away from day one.
0: Yeah, I, I would tell you that the uh, time, especially the commander or sergeant major, your, your time goes so fast that you really don't want to leave. But all of a sudden, one day you said, Man, where'd that time go? So, uh, God bless you and congratulations on your job. And uh, it, it, you're, I'm surely sure you're having a lot of fun. Sergeant Major, how about
2: yourself? No, thanks. And so, uh, you know, I, I'm a re- repeat offender to the 1st Infantry Division. And so, you mean you're a slow uh, learner? No, would, <laughs> right. Or, or they thought that good of me to keep bringing me back to the 1st Infantry Division. Um, <laughs> So, so I enlisted in 1995. And actually, Fort Riley was in 1st Infantry Division was my first duty assignment. Um, and I spent a couple more years with them a couple different times across the past 25, almost 26 years. Uh, and so to be able to come back as Danger 7, starting as Private Private E-1 Harrison, in 116 Infantry, uh, is, has been pretty awesome and amazing. Um, throughout my time in the Army, I mean, I've served in uh, every infantry capacity minus airborne. So, whether it was striker, light, um, you know, mechanized, I started out as an 11 mic uh, way back in the day. Um, and so, been able to kind of hold all those facets and really learn the craft and trade of a, of a good infantryman. Um, but coming here um, has definitely been a highlight. And I've told people throughout my time in the Army that Fort Riley is it, it's a hidden gem, it's a special place that everybody needs to come experience. Um, because it'll change your it'll change your perception in your mind on the army, just the way that we operate out here and in the, in the, the the people that are out here. Yeah, there's,
0: there's no, I, I, like I said before, before we got on the on the show here. I, you know, I had uh, first interviews. I was in Vietnam with First Infantry Division A 2 Quarter Cab, and it does have a uh, a special spot in my heart for the First Infantry Division. I love them, and and uh, you know, they're just a great division, great location, and they've always had uh, you know great people out there in, in Fort Riley. Uh, but you got to want to go to Fort Riley. That's for sure. You just sort of stumble onto it. So Sergeant Major, First Infantry Division has uh, the oldest continuous serving division in the Army. And, and it has a proud legacy. Uh, can you tell us about the audience, about what it's like to, to lead soldiers in such a historic division?
2: No, I appreciate that. Uh, you know, I, I talk about this a lot, both the CG and I do. And it's, uh, there's a lot of pressure. Uh, there's a lot of pressure to be a senior leader, to be a leader in this division uh, in itself because of what you just said. You know, it's the first division in the Army form in 1917. And the things that this division has been able to do, uh, even in the operations that we currently are on in the European theater, uh, it's just tremendous. And so to lead soldiers in this division, like I said, I was once a soldier here. Yeah. And so I, I was able to emulate and take the, you know, those great things of what the leader's done. And and you know the leaders that have come from this division, I mean SMA Grinston, yeah, it's our you know Sergeant Major Cornelison of a force com, um, And so those are a lot of great leaders that have led this organization and to try to to attempt to follow in their footsteps to ensure that our soldiers and families, you know, and our DA civilians are taken care of. Uh, There's a lot of pressure there, but but we do it with pride. And it makes it easy to wear that patch and to lead these soldiers because everybody is here for each other. There's no, you know, separate islands in this division. It is Fort Riley, Kansas and the 1st Infantry Division, the 1st Infantry Division and Fort Riley, Kansas. We're all one family and one community. And knowing that everybody is there for each other it makes it that much easier to lead the great men and women in this division. Man, I should have, In fact, we did
0: tape that. That's perfect. <laughs> Man, you, you hit it all. I mean, that's, uh, you know, most people and probably the listeners that are listening don't know much about divisions in the Army and all of that stuff. But uh, here's a guy that's uh, given his life. And he talked about being a, a young soldier and coming back and being a the sergeant major of that same division. And, and I probably... You know I, I think you're probably so proud just to be able to serve at uh, your capacity that you're serving right now. Well, my hats off to you. Sir, you want to add anything to the uh, to what Sergeant Major said? Don't say no, di- I think- don't say ditto. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right. No, I think you, when you think about the history, you know as the Sergeant Major mentioned, you know, it, there's a lot of pressure because you you know, like you mentioned, you know, your service in Vietnam and this division has been the first in every conflict we've had with the exception of Korea. So you know, first over the berm in World War I, the first to, to make contact in World War II, landed in North Africa, landed in Sicily, the first on the beaches in Normandy, and then all the way across Germany until that war was over. Stayed in Europe for a while and then was the first division headquarters in, in Vietnam. Um, first over the berm in uh, the Gulf War. In fact, we just celebrated the 30th anniversary of the, of the Gulf War here with a bunch of veterans who came back to, during our Victory Week to help us commemorate that that uh, that fight, and then has seen action in everything since. So Iraq, Afghanistan, and most recently Syria. So you know, in terms of, of combat history, there there's really very few that are you know can can match that. And so, as the sergeant major said, to just be a part of that type of organization, to be that a part of that type of history. You know, we put this patch on every day, and, and it really, it represents, you know, the thousands and thousands of men and women who have represented our country in, in good and bad times overseas.
0: Yeah, not, not a lot of people know uh, much about the division. In fact, I, I always tell people all the time, you see the, the National Guard and Reserve a lot more than you actually see the, the divisions in our Army. Uh, So, uh, normally you guys, I I would think that uh, we don't want to go in. If I asked you something you don't want to say, certainly don't answer the question. But I would say that you guys always have people deployed somewhere around the world uh, on any given day. Can you sort of give us an idea about what kind of deployment rotation schedule that you guys have? That's for both of you right there.
1: Yeah, sure. You know, it's, it's interesting you say that. So even even when it seems like things have calmed down, yeah, they're, they're,
0: they never they're,
1: calm uh, down. Yeah. You know, those those duck, those duck feet are really working underneath the water. You know, if you take not so we're, right now, as an example, we've got uh, one of our our combat brigades that's currently uh, deployed to Europe our aviation brigade currently deployed to Europe. A slice of our division headquarters currently deployed to Europe, controlling them and some other uh, structures in Central Europe. But then before any of that even happened, our sustainment brigade is quite honestly the most deployed, I think, of, of the organization. Our sustainment brigade consists you know, of, of you name it, truck companies, uh, human resources, uh, combat service support battalion. That that A ton of those folks are in the, the central command theater, so in the Middle East. But even with all that, a portion of our sustainment brigade is, has been working now since, um, since COVID started. So we, we have the, the defense support to civilian um, uh, yeah, activities here in the United States. And as a part of that, anytime you see a military force that's employed for COVID, so read Navy doctors, Air Force hospitals, Army medical units, before they ever get to where they're going, we've sent a portion of the sustainment brigade forward to try and set up all the infrastructure, receive those organizations, make sure that they're taken care of wherever they are. So, uh, really, it, it's at a time where, you know, you would think things might have slowed. They have they have not necessarily slowed, uh, certainly not just us, but, you know, across
2: the Army.
0: Yeah. Sergeant, do you want to add anything to that? And
2: yeah. to conclude with that, I mean, I, I really think uh, – to pile on for the sustainment brigade, you know, and even the normal the brigades we have out here, I mean, we sent out two vaccination support teams, you know, during the time out here uh, for months at a time. And some of those units had just come back from a Korea rotation. So spent nine months in Korea. We're back for, you know, a little while and we had to deploy them again within the borders of the United States, uh, but it's still time away from family. So as we look at, you know, heads to pillows, uh, you know, at, at night, those things kind of matter. And so, but our two, two vaccination support teams knocked it out the box uh, doing over, Close to a million vaccines in the time that they were employed. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, you talk about the division making a difference. Um, that's making a difference. And, and I will tell you, when, when the CG and I were down there talking to these these young these young men and women, it was just awesome because yeah. they were in, and they were so thankful for really doing that mission because they were finally doing something that helped their own countrymen in our country. Yeah. And I tell you the the, the self worth and value they got from that. Was, was beyond anything we could probably give them and it was just amazing to see them just fired up and willing to get after that mission
0: yeah I, you know it made me think about something you know when i, I was a uh, a division i was at a three star a two star three star and one four star position and then and then the sergeant made the army so the last 16. Uh, 16 or 17 years of my life, I was at a, a senior level position in the United States Army. I and I loved every day of it. T- tell the audience, and, and so I'm going to start Sergeant major on this one. Tell the audience what an average day is for you. I mean, what time do you get up? What time do you go to sleep? And, you know, how much time? And, and the other and thing I want to hear is, and uh, so this will be a good one for you. How much time do you, are you away from home uh, every year? Give us an idea. Just, you know, you can quickly go through that. That's probably a lot of questions in one.
2: No worries. I will just say it's busy. <laughs> right there. <laughs> That's a cop out. Don't do that to me. <laughs> no, it is. It is. I mean, I, I'm generally up at five o'clock every morning. Um, you know, I, I like to have my own personal PT session in the morning that gets me going and then go out and do PT, some PT with soldiers, um, things like that. So I, a lot of it I put on myself. And, and I think most, you know, most leaders would because they want to make sure that their units and organizations are taken care of. Um, but I will tell you a day from from the moment I walk into this building, to this headquarters, uh to the moment i leave i don't think there is a time that we really rest at all uh be, because we're always trying to help somebody do something it's like you said earlier you know with your organization uh, your next mission of, of of just wanting to be there to support and help we have the same 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 requirements here and i don't even if you call it a requirement it's probably more of a passion because that's why we're do um so to be able to do that uh matters you know we get home when we get home and um you know, being in the division, uh, you know, at this echelon, I mean, it's 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 not like we're in the field for 30 days at a time anymore, you know, like I would if I was a squad leader or a platoon sergeant. Yeah, uh, definitely. Definitely long nights and some nights out in the field to go check on training to make sure soldiers are being taken care of and that they're training to a standard to achieve warfighter mastery.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Hey, sir, same question to you. Uh, you know, what time to get up in the morning. You know, what's the average day, I guess?
1: Well, I, I you know, I think I'd start SMA yes, by telling you, you know, this job in comparison to my last, I was in the Pentagon. Every morning in the Pentagon I got up at four oh two. Two it seemed too early to get up at four 4.00, o'clock, but four oh two I could muster.
0: <laughs> I understand.
1: You know, the first meeting there was at six thirty in the morning and you know, I came home routinely somewhere between nineteen and twenty hundred. Um, that was a brutal job. It yeah. was a phenomenal job, it was brutal. I, this is not like that. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, still up early. So like Sergeant Major said, somewhere around five o'clock, depending on what's going on, you know, our days begin typically with, with physical training. Uh, and then those days, honestly, you know, depending on like, like Sergeant Major said, some, some adjustments over time, the average day we can pretty much control getting out of here, 17, 30, 1800. Yeah. Now there are some days where you're going to go longer than that. Certainly. But the beauty of the 1730, 1800 is, unlike my time at the Pentagon, where at 1900, I was looking at other people in 1900. If, if we stay here late, other people will stay here late. Yeah, And sometimes there's no reason to do that, right? I mean, there's more work. It's going to be there tomorrow. And we'll, we'll talk a bit about that with you in terms of, you know, we mentioned our pace is pretty quick. The off-tempo in the Army has been pretty quick for a while we're 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 really working hard to try to get a, to kind of get control of that op tempo, and and make it that when you're not going hard, we're trying to find a, a good pace. So slow is smooth, smooth is fast, and I think for the two of us, if if we replicate that, if we demonstrate that up here, um, you know, folks, they, they're because people are, who are we kidding, right? Some people are waiting to see us leave. Absolutely. And, they'll stay here until we, until we do.
0: Yeah. And
1: so if we leave here 1730, 1800, a bunch of these young men and women may get out of here, 1830 ish, you know, uh, if that makes any sense.
0: No, it, may, it makes a lot of sense. When I was in Germany as a first army division sergeant major, we had, uh, you know, every, I think it was every Thursday, you had uh, sergeant's uh, time and then you had family time on Thursdays. And I remember one time, a couple of times walking through the division headquarters and, and I'd see people and be like 430 and it'd be a soldier in there with a with an officer. And I said, well, what are you doing in there? Well, we got stuff to do. I said, well, you better do it at home. And the officer said, well, Sergeant Major, we got to. I said, well, you go tell the general this soldier is getting out of here. So I'd run their butt out of there. But but you got to have downtime. Hey, you know, nobody can work 24 hours a day. I know when I was in Bosnia. Uh, I, do you know General Nash by any chance? Bill Nash. I don't know if you guys know him.
1: Well, I actually know his family, but I, yeah. Yeah. It's been a while.
0: So so he was a commander for me and uh, with not for me, but he was a commander when I was in Bosnia. And I and I remember one time I was uh, I was uh, going to go to him because we'd been running hard for a long time. And and I went to him and I started to say something about, you know, op tempo pace and all stuff. But but he was a smart guy that night. at the, And I don't know if somebody must have said something to him or he just thought of himself. He got up and says, OK, we're going to have a sleep plan. You know, you can't run 24 hours a day. You got to make sure you have a plan. People are, you know, people fall asleep on guard. They do all sorts of stuff. So you got to make sure, I agree 100% about pacing yourself, making sure you're prepared to do it exactly what you got it. Because, uh, you know, there's no second best in our job. You know, when we take the hand, we raise our hand up. We said protect and defend the Constitution of the United States. And, and uh, you know, you can't be second. You've got to be first and you got to be on your game each and every time that you're doing something. Because if you're not... Uh, you pay with it with your life, and uh, that's you guys' responsibility to make sure that division is trained. Uh, and I know, no question in my mind, that you're you're doing a wonderful job. We're talking with Major General Douglas Sims and Sergeant Major Raymond Harris of the 1st Infantry Division, Fort Riley, Kansas. And you're listening to your next mission podcast with me. I always love saying that. Your host, Jack L. Tilly, 12th Sergeant Major Army, and, and Sir, the 1st Infantry Division, also known as the uh, Big Red One. For audience. How did that name come about? I know how, but how, how did that name come about?
1: Well, I mean, the history of the war is that during World War I, um, in an effort to distinguish between, you know, organizations, one of the members of the division, uh, they were the first division, the first army expeditionary force, cut a piece of his red uh, underwear, long underwear, <laughs> And, uh, out of a, you know, made a one out of that and then pinned that one to, to his tunic. And then that, that became, you know, that's, that's at least the story that folks tell. And that one then, you know, made its way throughout the division. And that big red one has been associated with the organization ever since. And it's, I'll tell you, it's really, it's really interesting, you know, on Fridays, and this is the first place I've ever been where we did this, but on Fridays, we wear, we have a, you know, a subdued patch that has a red one on it. Yeah. And and we wear that every Friday. And it, it's really something. I mean, it's almost Pavlovian now. I put the red one on and I start thinking about having a beer at the end of the day. You know, <laughs> but it's special. You know, like Star Major just mentioned the, the vaccine task forces. Well, our vaccine task forces were deployed. They wore the red one as opposed to the black one subdued patch. Yeah. And you'd see that on TV. You'd see a young man or young woman giving a shot to somebody. And you'd see that big red one on their shoulder. There's something about it. I mean, it just pops out at you. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I, I got to tell you something real quick. I, I almost refused to wear a subdued red one. I mean, a subdued one when I was, you know, the guy said, you got to put that supposed to be, I don't give a shit. I'd put the, uh, I shouldn't say that, I guess, but I, I put that first interview because it means something to you. It's a history yeah. of that division. So, you know, if you wasn't in the division, it may not mean nothing to you, but I was, and I love that division. And, and uh, I'd wear it each and every day. So I, my hat's off to you. I don't want to take my hat off because I ain't got no hair. But but uh, you guys are doing a great job. Sergeant, Major, you want to add anything to that? I mean, I, I I've heard stories like that before, but I haven't heard that particular one for a long time. But uh, go ahead, Sergeant. Major, you want to add anything to it?
2: I'll tell you, that's the only lore I know from it too. That that's what we talk about all the time, and we go with it because because we like the story.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's such a proud division. What sometimes what bothers me is that. Uh, people just don't know about the kind of sacrifices that our divisions in the United States Army make. I mean I'm, I'm going to talk about it in a little while about uh, you know you, you, any war that you go to, you lose people and people die unfortunately and and that and that stays with you for the rest of your life you know? And so people need to know uh, exactly what you're doing and how you're getting ready to go to war and what what your daily life is like. Uh, you know, uh, there's a very small percentage. I don't remember the percent, what is it, 1% of the people in our country really serve in the military. And it's a shame that uh, more people don't know about the things they're doing. What really bothers me is that they always want to stand up, and and I don't want to get in anything, any any other uh, war about anything that's going on. But you always have people that are criticizing uh, people or what they're doing. But they've never walked in your boots, and they have no earthly idea of, of what you have to do. Uh, each and every day, Cyril. Along those lines, we often hear about uh, warfighting and mastery. And what does the First Infantry Division do differently than uh, to achieve that?
1: Well, you know, it's, it's interesting you say that, SMA. The uh, you know the the way the pace has been going in the United States Army. You know, we we came out of the the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan with a real sound, fundamental understanding of counterinsurgency operations. But we had lost some skills as it related to what we call large-scale combat operations. Mm-hmm. So thank, you know, peer-on-peer, peer, um, you know, with, with a competitor out there that could match us. And as a result, we spent a ton of time, you know, trying to turn the Army to be able to to get ready for that kind of fight. We did that, and in some regard, uh, at, at the expense of some of our individual and small unit yeah. uh, and so we are we are concentrating a great deal of effort now, not just as in first ID, but across the army, in really achieving warfighting mastery. So you know, for every individual to be able to execute his or her job, uh, whatever that is, whether you're a, a young private uh, as an infantryman or you're a staff officer working on the division in a division headquarters, to be able to master your particular skills. So, and, and we say mastery, I mean, just think, you know, not only can you execute it. But you can do it at nighttime in a rainstorm at the intersection of multiple map, you know, map sheets, um, and then to build on that, really working at the small unit, so think platoon and company. So for for the listeners, uh, somewhere forty to one hundred and fifty or two hundred people in terms of those organizations. You know, the the force Com- forces command uh, commander uh, four star general Garrett talks about winning at the point of contact, and his view of that is. You know, we can have divisions that can come up with great orders. We can tell people, here's what we're going to do. We're going to execute, you know, we're going we're to flank them to the right or flank them to the left or whatever that is. <laughs> yeah. We design a really brilliant plan. Well, if all of our time in terms of training is focused at the higher echelons and not at the small unit where the, where the first contact is made, then when our squads can't compete against the enemy and when our platoons can't compete, the next thing you know – you know the enemy's rolling through us at that that small unit point of contact. We better hope that our divisions can write some really good retreat orders because <laughs> we're, we're in trouble. Yeah. So yeah. We're our effort at the company and below, yeah. so that our individuals become real masters, and that when you build that up, that those folks can win at that spot. And then we we train parallel at our upper echelon so that we can write good orders and we can you know we can do the things that are expected in terms of command and control.
2: Yeah, yeah. Sergeant do you want to add to that? Yeah, no. And the, the only thing I'll add to that, uh, SMA, it, it is with the Warfighter Mastery, I mean, we're really looking, uh, you know, to start, a lot of it comes down to skill level 10 mastery. You can master skill level 10 tasks and you'll be able to have enough competence and confidence to continue to graduate in the echelon of the ranks that you achieve to be a master of that. And so with that is a lot of, um, you know, emphasis on expert infantryman badge, expert soldier badge, expert field medical badge and excellence in armor badge. I mean, we have a lot of tanks on this organization, you know, with our 19 series. And so those are those things that build confidence and competence in our young soldiers. And so when we can build that, it gives them the ability to to feel part of the team, to have that purpose, to know that they are ready to go fight and win if asked to go and do it. Uh, You know, and with that is building those certification gates at echelon. You know, you're not going to go be a squad leader or serve in a squad leader position until we throw you through a squad leader certification course, because we want to make sure that you know the things we want you to be as a squad leader, always room for growth because you're never going to go there and be hundred percent spot on and ready to go with, it. Uh, you know, experience matters, you know, trials throughout your time matter because that that's what grows that experience and gives you the ability to, to think what's, you know, how to navigate a problem set, if you will. So. Yeah.
0: yeah, that's what I would You know, it's it's I, it's great listening to you guys talk because I used to a division at every level. I was always that. I always said you got to focus on the basic fundamentals of being a soldier, uh, and make sure you you're proficient in those things, whether or not it's shooting your weapon, or uh, or doing whatever first day whatever. But I always thought it was the basic fundamentals, and and the other thing I I remember when I was this is years ago now when I was a division sergeant major we used to let people qualify with uh, not wearing their body armor, and when I got to be their division sergeant major I I made people put on their body armor and I was the worst son of a gun in the whole division. You know, they said, the scores are going to go down. I said, I don't care. I said, but you train the way you're going to fight. And uh, and that's what we did. So, so they went down a little bit and six months later they was back to where they was before because you have to train that way and you have to think that way. The other thing I think I, I'd love listening to you guys talk because it's, it's about the teamwork. You can see how well you guys work as a team and and functions as a, as a function as a team. But I got to tell you one more story real quick. I guess I'm a story guy. As you get older, you want to tell stories. But uh, I remember I was in, uh, I was somewhere overseas. I guess it was in Bosnia. I can't remember where I was at. But a uh, squad ran into a uh, an enemy uh, element. And the enemy element says, lay your weapon down. Now, this is a staff sergeant in charge of this squad. And they, all of them had their weapons. And I always thought to myself, in 30 seconds, they could kill half of them on each side or kill all of them on one side. And and the squad leader said, smartest guy I thought in the world. He said, we're not going to lay our weapons down. You lay yours down. Of course, the guy says no, and they weren't going to do it. And the guy had the presence of mind. Now, this is young staff sergeant. He says, I want to, we're not going to do anything. We're just going to back up. And he backed that squad up right out of that situation. Now, think about that for a second. Again, here's in a, in a matter of seconds, he could have— uh, he could have been killed, or could have killed half those people, or killed, uh, lost half of his unit. But it's it's about training on the basic fundamentals about being an officer or being a non-commissioned officer uh, in those war fighting situations, and that's the kind of guy. That's the kind of things that I'm hearing you guys talk about. So I think you're spot on. And again, for the audience, you need to understand again, it's about protect and defend the Constitution of the United States. It's about what our army does each and every day to protect us and, and don't think they, they never stopped training. They never stopped training when it was COVID. They made sure they stay focused on exactly what they're doing. Let's uh, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. You're listening to uh, Your Next Mission podcast.
1: This Your Next Mission podcast is made possible by the Cavalry Agency. They help brands dominate no matter their size. Ideas, strategy, action. This is Cavalry. Learn more at Cavalry.com. Navy Federal Credit Union, the most trusted credit union owned by members of the military community serving all branches of the armed forces and their families. Their members are the mission. Learn more at NavyFederal.org. Purdue Global, providing affordable online education for hardworking adults. Learn more about a personalized, innovative and world-class education at PurdueGlobal.edu. Veterans United
2: Home Loans, the number one VA lender for five straight years. If you're buying, they're funding your dreams. Learn more at VeteransUnited.com.
0: Welcome back. I'm the 12th Sergeant Major of the Army, Jack L. Tilly, and we're blessed to be here today with uh, two uh, today with Major General Douglas Sims, commanding general at First Infantry Division, and Command Sergeant Major Raymond Harris, Command Sergeant Major of the First Infantry Division at Fort Riley, Kansas. Uh, before we continue, I want to. I want all of our listeners to reach out to me directly and tell me about your transition out of the military. You know, I want to help you as much as I can, and I want you to reach out to me and talk to me about whatever you want to talk about. Tell me what topics you would like us to cover, whether or not it's talking about a division or talking about VA benefits, whatever it is. I want want to know about it. You can call or text me at 844-424-1134. And I'll reach out to you. I'll actually call you back or text you back, but uh, I want to hear from you or send me an email at smatelly at your next org. Okay. Let's pick it up where we left off. Sir, we're, we uh, heard so much about the army's people strategy, uh, which is a wonderful initiative. And how does that uh, operation victory uh, wellness fit into that? I guess.
1: Yeah, that's, I'll tell you sort major of the army. I, um, I, I don't know that I've got more passion for anything. You know, I, like, I came here last year and, um, and, you know, we started talking. We've been talking about people for a while yes. in the Army. Mm-hmm. And, um, and when I got here, we, we kicked in Operation Victory Wellness, which is our way of, of getting after taking care of people. It, it's really it's, you know, it's really about the strength and resilience of the individual soldier and family member, and it's about the cohesion of the unit. Those two things are what we're concentrating on with Victor Wellness. The the and We can talk about a bunch of the facets of it, um, but I would tell you in the end, the uh, the success of our program is, you know, about us being able to fight in combat. Yep. You know, the, the, the team staff of the Army didn't send me to Fort Riley or send the sword Major to Fort Riley so we could create a wellness program or a counseling program. He He sent us here so we'd be ready to go to war. I mean, that's, that's what he asked us to do. But the two of us believe that if you take care of your people the right way, that if your people are holistically well, that if your organizations achieve a level of of real strong unit cohesion, there's not a person or not a, not a, an enemy out there that can touch us. And, uh, and so as a result, you know, we've got a number of facets to the the Victor wellness program. You know, if you think about this is really something you'll, you'll get this in particular, but you know, every morning of our lives in the army, we execute physical training every morning. And if you talk to young men and young women, old men and old women about, you know, how they accomplish the most difficult things in their life, they're not going to tell you it was because of their physical ability. Now, they, that may have gotten them to a certain point, but they're going to talk to you about, you know, about mind, spirit, about heart. You know, if you ask a young man or young woman about 12-mile foot march and you say, hey, what is it when you don't finish a 12-mile foot march, what is it that keeps you from finishing? Is it is it your legs? Is it your back? And they'll tell you, no, you know, like mile six, you start saying, boy, my feet are, they're hurting at mile seven, boy, my back is hurting at mile eight. You're sitting down on the side of the road, waiting on the truck to pick you up. It had nothing to do with your physical ability. It had to do with everything that you were telling yourself in in your head. And so if you think we spend every morning working on physical training, we don't spend any time typically in a month working on the other dimensions of strength that get us across the finish line. And that's just a foot march. So think about the harder things in life that are out there. What we've done is we've we've taken a day away from company commanders every other week, um, and we've we've instituted some some resilience uh, training. We spend ninety minutes every other Tuesday morning working on resilience, working on those all the dimensions of strength: social, spiritual, family, uh, physical, and emotional. Then we added uh, we took from forces command their readiness day, and we're using a portion of. of Each uh, friar, each month, one day, typically our last Friday, where we spend that day concentrating on building the team and making cohesive teams at echelon throughout the division. And we've added some character, uh, a number of character um, classes as well to build the character of the individual and the character of the unit. And then the last thing, um, and I don't want to go on here, but the last thing is, is we're doing we're doing counseling sessions. Every single individual in the in the division on Fort Riley that's wearing a uniform is spending at least 30 minutes with a counselor. And we're using we're using different counselors. So we're using our military family life counselors. They are civilians. There are no records that are kept in those counseling sessions. So a soldier you know goes in, sits down, um, and when I say soldier, I mean everybody from private to major general goes in and sits down with a counselor. And for 30 minutes, at a minimum, they're in there and they're just talking about whatever they want to talk about. Yeah. And typically what you'll get every once in a while, you'll get somebody and not very often, believe it or not. But you'll get somebody to say, listen, I'm not saying a word. And I'm like, hey, that's, that's cool. You know, I listen, I can't order you to say a single word when you go in the room. I can order that your place of duty for 30 minutes is inside that room. Once you get in there, it's up to you. But what we find is that young man, or young woman walks in there, sits down, got their arms crossed, right? They're angry because they don't want to be there. They're looking down at the ground. The counselor says, Hey man, he says, uh, Hey, how you doing? Anything on your mind? And the guy says, no, nothing on my mind. He goes, okay, well, Hey, we got 29 minutes and 45 seconds left. What do you think? Can't see Royals. Every time we think they're going to get to 500, they never do. And then the kid looks up and says, can't see Royals. It's not even a real team. If you're not talking <laughs> about, Right. Next thing they you know, they, they, you know, begin this exchange of, of conversation and typically, I mean, our average counseling session goes somewhere between 45 and 60 minutes long. Yeah. And at the end, the guys who don't want to be in there at the end, they're like, oh, my God, I've been tricked. I've been counseled <laughs> <laughs> I know what it is. I'm strangely good about something, but I don't know why. And so anyways, I guess the, the long story longer is, you know, our, we're trying to take what what the army is doing with people first. We're not talking about people here. We're trying to get after it. We're trying to execute. We're trying to make people first operational. Again, with the view that when we have better people, when they care about one each, other, you know, one another, when they respect one another, when they value one another, when their leaders genuinely care for them, they are better in combat. Absolutely. And, uh, so, anyways, I I could go listen. I could eat up your whole pot. No, no, that. no. That's I, you know. I,
0: I absolutely I got it. First, I'm gonna let Sergeant Major stop. But I got to tell you something, which is sort of funny. When I at every level I was ever at, at company level, battalion, brigade, division, I'd go into my commander and I'd say, "You got to counsel me." They What what's our first sergeant? You got to count." No, it's your job to count. You have to counsel me. You got even when I was a division sergeant major, I do the same. You got to go with sergeant major. Come on now. No, that's your job. It's your job to counsel me and you need to have a counselor. And the other thing I love, I love everything that you said, but, but uh, leading by example, setting standards, enforcing standards, all the things that you're talking about, that's in that box. And that's what you're doing. The key to success in life, not just in the army is good communication and good listening skills and, you, and that's exactly the things you're doing are unbelievable because I guarantee I can't guarantee anything but but I probably would guarantee you that you make yourself a better division a better organization by doing those kind of communication things that you was talking about just right there. So my hat's off to, I won't take my hat off cause I'm bald, but, but the, I know Sergeant Major's on top of that. Sergeant Major added to that. I, I, that commanders already got me so motivated. I want to go outside and run 10 miles. Go ahead, Sergeant Major. He, well, he, Listen, this is, you talk
1: about a partner. I mean, yeah. we got, two of us have been running this, you know, straight on the, on the same path the whole way. I mean, I, I jumped in here and he was already doing a bunch of this and, uh, so the synergy between the two of us, you know, he's rolling his eyes right now. You can't tell. He's rolling his eyes because he hears we we do this this conversation with everybody. Yeah. And, uh, so anyways, I'll give it to him, but we do, we talk about this all the time. Well, that's,
0: it's great. It's, it's, again, it's leading by example, setting the standards and enforcing standards. And, and I guarantee you, that's exactly what you're starting to go ahead. I, I'm I, like, I said, I'm pumped up. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to probably start jumping
2: here in a minute. So go ahead. I tell you, because every time the two of us talk, we always got to find new ways to say it because I steal his words. He steals my words. <laughs> and, and Well, so no, but, but I'll tell you, you know, getting after, so we changed our division motto. You know, one of the things general simpson when he came in and said, you know, we, we got to not so only branding it because when you brand it, you give ownership to it and, and and then we can really push things. And so, you know, duty first and victory has always been the divisions motto for the longest. Yeah. Um, and when we came in and, 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 you know, we started this program, we changed it to duty first, people, always and all else will follow. And the important part is the last part of that motto, all else follows. Because if we take care of our people we exercise our war fighting mission. Everything is going to happen because you know, like, like, like the CG said, their minds are in the game. They know their families taken care of. They trust their leaders. They trust in themselves to accomplish that mission. And so, you know, I'll add this last part because, cause really, I mean, CG, he, he was spot on with everything he said as always. Um, but imagine if you came to this organization and you felt valued and you valued your, you know, your fellow teammates, if you had pride in your organization and your organization had pride in you, if you had trust in your leaders and, and your leaders trusted you, you know, wouldn't that be a part of a team that you want to be a part of? Absolutely. I mean, I, and so with this operation, victory wellness, you know, that's what we're aspiring to be as a division is to be the division of choice because you know, the leadership you're coming to, we want to make better men and women, not just better soldiers, but better men and women. Uh, so eventually, even when they leave, you know, this great United States army, they're still productive members in in society.
0: Yeah. You know,
2: and I, that's a goal because they're still ambassadors to the military and they should leave better than how they came in.
1: Yeah. Well, I, yeah. Go ahead. Well, what a good time to be to be here because, you know, we've got more rope from our leaders than than, you know, we probably deserve. Right. I mean, General McConville, SMA Grinston. I mean, they're they're not talking the talk. Right. They, they're not saying that because. You know, it's something good to say. They're saying it because they believe in it. Yeah. And so all the way down the chain, we just get so much leverage and room to, to run. And um, all with this view that, listen, it's crazy. This is a people organization, right? The Army is about people. If you don't want to be around people, you don't join the Army. And so, you know, it's in a, you think back to your time as, as a junior non-commissioned officer, it would be crazy not to know everything about the young men and young women around you crazy yeah. and when there, you, you know you just some of it is you know some people have just that's lapsed and because and I think a lot of it's because you know we fought pretty hard for 20 years and when you come back you know sometimes some people feel like hey I'm, I'm home so I get some time to myself well sure we want people to have time to ourselves but leaders are on 24-7 you're always on you know that yep. and so we just want people to realize the criticality of, of the men and women that work you know, for them, around them, and 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 uh, they work for. I think I think, like Sergeant Major said, we're we're seeing some positive results in that regard. I,
0: I think what you have something really. <laughs> Because we've been at war for a long time and a lot of things that went on. And I think some of the, the basic people kind of skills have sort of went away from us a little bit. And I think what you guys are doing is pulling it back in. Because, again, when I was a, a young soldier, man, I tell you what, I, Saturday or Sunday, I was always in the barracks. I was always talking to soldiers, I always knowing one another, And they knew they could tell me the truth. And uh, if they did something wrong, they could tell me. I may chew their butt a little bit, but but I'm going to fix it. I'm going to make sure you're okay. But it's they they, uh, they know whether or not they should trust you. And uh, if they trust it, they'll do anything. They'll fight They'll fight to the end. There's no question about that. We're about but, out of, but, go ahead, sir.
1: Well, I was going to tell you, what's crazy is, so we've got an organization uh, that's following us around to try to determine if we're having an impact. And one of the things they've found is that leaders who participate in the wellness training yeah. that we're executing, not just talk about it, not just come up with a plan to do it, but actually participate. Those organizations have somewhere around twenty-five percent higher levels of, of trust in the organization and thirty percent higher levels of unit cohesion. And at first you're like, wow, that's those are big numbers. But then you think about it, it's just leaders doing what we want leaders to do. Absolutely. They're in the thing, and they're when they're involved, their soldiers trust them and they want to be a
0: organization it's crazy yeah no again you you guys are talking right (laughs) on my sheet right i love what you're saying when i was a division sergeant major the, the me and the division commander says well all company commanders and first lieutenants and majors and s3 on sergeant's time training you have to go to it too and they said, what? Yes, you have to go and learn that basic fundamentals of what's mean. So you can't you can't tell me something to do that. You don't have to do it. And it's crazy because you'd have people that stand with a notebook and write things down and never do it. And when you had to do the test or when you had to either shoot your weapon or do they didn't know how to do it. So whatever it was, they had to do it. it it's not uh, again, it's not it's not about one individual. It's about the team. Uh, and again, that's why I love what you guys are talking. I, can, I again. I can see that you're a great team, and and uh, if I was still in the service, I'd love to be a squad leader for you somewhere, as long as you wouldn't pick on me. <laughs> we're, we're, we're uh, you know I, I've enjoyed this so much. I hate to say this next word, but but we're about we're about out of time for today, and I hope you've enjoyed this discussion as much as I have. I I really just have a couple of final questions, and sir, I always like to ask this question, especially with those with you's uh, responsibility of running an installation. Uh, so what what uh, what keeps you up at night on that installation? I mean, what, what are you bothered by?
1: You know, I'll tell you something, I, I sleep pretty well. And maybe it's because we do get up early and, and go to bed earlier, but um, I sleep pretty well. Cause I, you know, like, like the Sergeant Major said at the beginning, I, I, I think there is a great deal of, of pressure. Um, you know, when, when we represent this organization, we wear this patch. But you know, that pressure is, is eliminated by this real trust that the men and women who who are here, they're they're working hard to do the right thing. Yeah. Right? They're they're working hard to make sure that they're taking care of one another, that their families are are well cared for, that they're connected to the community. Um, you know, Fort Riley, we didn't talk about Fort Riley in particular, but I've never been assigned anywhere in 30 years that has a connection to an organization like the communities here. And um uh, and like you said about yourself at the beginning, not because you want anything from it, right? I mean, it's just about taking care of soldiers. I mean, the, the communities here just want to take care of soldiers. In this case, the Big Red One. Um, I don't lose a lot of sleep. I don't. I, I just, I, I love the fact that I'm here, that I'm surrounded by people like Sergeant Major Harris um, and others who, <laughs> who kind of keep us moving forward. And um, I sleep pretty darn good because of it.
0: Yeah, that's that's great. Again, I uh, I can feel your energy, and that's what I really love. Sergeant Major, how about yourself? You want any, any, uh, anything you want to add to that?
2: I'd tell you I'm the same uh, you know as, as the CG, because uh, you know I have trust in our leaders that they're going to do the right thing for our soldiers in time of need, uh, at any time of night, anytime you know something is going on. And, and to be able to have that trust that we have in our leadership to be there for our soldiers uh, really allows, allows me to get some good sleep at night, too. Uh, and you know he hit it you know cg hit it right on the head with the community members and and they're there for us also so the amount of support that we have in the organization, the trust we have in our leaders um it, it allows yeah it allows us to get some sleep
0: yeah i you know again I thank you guys for what you're doing and and i i just share this with you real quick is that if there's something out at Fort Riley that you wanna uh share with with our podcast, tell us what it is we'd love to share anything you guys have out there if we can Put some Put Just educate people, whatever it is, whatever we can do to help you want to do it. Uh, you know, in fact, I think this has probably went too fast because I've enjoyed every second of talking to you today because it just, uh, again, it makes me feel good inside to know that we have uh, leaders like yourself that care so much about what you're doing each and every day. And again, I, I want people in this country and, and those people that are listening, I want you to listen to these guys. It's about, uh, and I've said it, I'm going to say it a long time, a lot here. It's about protect and defend the Constitution of the United States each and every day. I've, I've swore allegiance, you know, I'm going to be there. I'm willing to die for your freedom. I'm willing to die so you can be free. So I want you to I want you to realize that. Any final thoughts, any things you want to add? And we may have missed something. I hope we didn't. But if we did, uh, Sir Sergeant Major, uh, right now, here's your platform. Go ahead and say whatever you want to say, except don't say nothing bad about me. Go ahead. <laughs> I
1: just said we're having this SMA. It's a real pleasure, and uh, any, any, you know, I mean, it's easy to talk about this division and this installation, and uh, giving us a, an opportunity to do that makes us feel pretty good.
0: Well, God bless you. Thank you. Thanks, SMA. Now, Sergeant Major, you don't have nothing to say. Have you got oh, yeah, yeah, now, yeah. any yeah. final thoughts? No, you thanks. can. I no, you I, I, done, I, so. I've been nice to go to General first, and then you. I, you uh, can say whatever you want. This is your chance to say. Just don't say nothing bad about me. Like I said, just say whatever you want to say.
2: No, estimate, I, no th- thanks. And, uh, you know, glad we we're finally to get this lined up for us to be able to talk because uh, we've been looking forward to this for a while. And, uh, you know, like like the CG said, anytime we could talk about, you know, the history and the lineage of Fort Riley and the 1st Infantry Division and the importance that the division played throughout the Army's history. Um, you know, it's just awesome to us because that's the pride we have in the organization. And, and we really do love that. And so, you know, thanks for that. And, uh, you know, like I'll tell you, once a big Red One soldier, always a big Red One soldier. So hail to the Army's favorite son, uh, <laughs> the mighty big red one. So thanks, SMA. Whoa! Well,
0: thanks to Major General Douglas Sims, Commanding General and uh, CSM Raymond Harris at uh, Command Sergeant Major 1st of 1st Infantry Division at Fort Riley. I'm Jack Tilly, 12th Sergeant Major of the Army. You've been listening to Your Next Mission podcast, and thank you for listening today. Please visit us at uh, our website at yournextmission.org and leave me a review. Uh, you know, Hopefully it's a good review, but leave me a review. Uh, you can also visit our partners there who can provide you with so many services that will assist you in your transition from the military. Also visit, uh, visit our website, our corporate partners and and see all the jobs they have available for you. There's a lot of them out there and we wanna help you as much as we can. Please know that we wanna assist you any way that we can. Uh, if you've got a problem or got a concern, we have a concern and, and we wanna do all we can to help you. So. Uh, please reach out to us. Please follow us on my social media. I never thought I'd ever say that. My social media channels on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and LinkedIn. Uh, also, uh, be uh, there doing uh, your podcast on yournextmission.org. Thanks again to Major General Sims and Sergeant Major Harris. It was great having you guys on the podcast. And, and don't forget, uh, we want to hear from you. Please leave me a message or send me a text at 844-424-1134 or send me an email at smatilly at org. I want to end each podcast with a little story about me uh, and my experience of life in the military. And You know what? Just being the fact that I was in the 1st Infantry Division, so I'm going to tell you my 1st Infantry Division soldier. I was, uh, and this just tells you how old I am. In 1967 to 68, I was in in Vietnam. And then when I tell a story, sometimes I cry, so don't don't get on me. But I was overran, twenty wounded and seven killed, and uh, and I, I just will never forget the guys that was with me and how much it meant to me to to uh, fight along uh, people that cared about our country. Uh, but it but it breaks my heart every time I think about somebody dying in war, and it breaks my heart about thinking about uh, people that uh, you know. Sometimes the people out in this audience never never talk to, never listen to, don't know anything about, but but they're out there each and every day. And I've suffered from post-traumatic stress since uh, probably 1967 or 68 uh, when I was overran. Uh, our military goes through a lot of sacrifices for us, and they do a lot of things, and and we can't forget that. And, and uh, so don't second guess anything they do. They're the best. They're the best army in the world that each and every day are doing all they can to, to make themselves better. So I, I just want to thank you guys for listening today. And and thank the 1st Infantry Division for just being on our podcast. It's just unbelievable. Again, uh, thanks for listening. And thanks to Cloudcast Media and, of course, our, our four presenting sponsors, Cavalry Agency, Navy Federal Credit Union, Purdue University Global, and Veterans United Home Loans. We appreciate all you do for our military uh, each and every day. See you on the high ground. Hooah!
1: You've been listening to Your Next Mission, brought to you by the American Freedom Foundation. Learn more by visiting yournextmission.org.
0: Cloudcast Media.